meeting is being recorded. All right, Rabotai Boker Or, Omebonach. Rebbe Shabbat. And we're learning Parashat Mishpatim. Parashat Shofetim, Mechila Shofetim. Summer Parashat. The time is short, we'll just say one fast Hadush, and then we'll let uh, our members be on their way. Shofetim b'shoterim teten lecha b'chol sha'arecha. The Perashah says that we have an obligation to establish judges. Shofetim b'shoterim is enforcement. Teten lecha b'chol sha'arecha. Sha'arecha, of course, can mean your gates, but in this case over here, Sha'arecha doesn't mean gates. Since in the olden days, a city used to have gates. So in this sense, Sha'arecha is referring to a city. city. The city that has gates on the outside of it. And the Torah is coming to tell us that we have an obligation to establish courts. And where do we establish the courts? By the gates. The Sefer Oznaim the Torah asks, why is it necessary to put the courts at the gates of the city, which is on the outskirts of the city? We should put the courts in the middle of the city to make it equidistant to all the members so they can get to the court. It's not in Miklata, I understand, but still it should be in a place that's centrally located. So everybody that needs to get there, it's, it's, uh, it's right in the center city. No, instead it says, that you have to put it on the outskirts by the, by the gate itself. So the Oznaim Torah says two explanations why. One explanation is, because in the olden days, when you'd have a traveler or a wayfarer, or even a gid, and he's traveling on the roads, and uh, all of a sudden he sees a city. How does he see the city? He sees the gates. Now he doesn't know anything about the people that are living in that city. They could be cannibals, he said, for all we know. It could be like Sedom Vamora. We don't know the, the, the behavior of the people that are inside. It could be like uh, Las Vegas, Sin City. He doesn't know where, where he's going. Right. So the, the way that a person would know if the city was considered a city with ethics and values, you put the court right in front of the, city, in front of the gates. So anybody would walk by, you see, oh, over here there's law and order. Over here, I can stay over here in this town over here. There's a bed dean right at the, at the, at the, at the entrance. Mm-hmm. So these guys over here are living with a Torah law. They're not living with a helter skelter. They're not living in, uh, you know, uh, uh, chaos. They're living with order. So therefore, that would invite the people, they should know, this town over here, you're safe. When there's a bed dean at the... The bed dean is like the mezuzah of the city. Just like in the Sha'arikha, you have to put a mezuzah. The bed dean is the mezuzah of the city. It shows you this city is protected. Another explanation, he says, is because the gates of the city is where the most traffic is, because that's where the people are coming in and out of the city. And therefore, you want to put the court in a place that is very visible. You want the people to see justice. You want them to see that these guilty people are being executed. Why? So they will not come to make uh, the same mistakes. So therefore, they put it in a public area, which is a display, in order to show exactly uh, the citizens that this is what happens if you perpetrate and you go against the deed. Well, that's why they put it, The question, however, we came to discuss today, very quickly, is one of the words in the pasuk. 
בפסוק סל שופטים ושוטלים, תתן לך. לך is to you. It's talking to an individual. The שאלה that we have today is, who is this individual that we're talking about? So I'd like to explain it in three ways. The first way we explain it is according to a famous ma'aseh that took place in Frankfurt. Frankfurt is the city in Germany. They established a chief rabbi. What happened? They found a young Tamid Hacham scholar. He was also a Dayan. And the committee, the komete, they got together. And they, they don't know too much, but they asked some rabbis also. And they said, this guy is a very, very good guy. It's Kedai. So the president of the community went to the rab and said, listen, Hacham, we want you to be you know, our, our teacher, our mentor, our guide. Okay, Frankfurt's Hashuv Kekehila. So he accepts the, the job. The first day on the job, the guy didn't even settle in yet. After he signed the contract with the president, a regular guy from the working class, blue collar, comes to the rab and says, Hacham, I have a claim against the president of the congregation. So what they, they want, I didn't start yet, they're already fighting with the president. What happened? He, has, he bought goods from me, he didn't pay for, he didn't pay for the goods. The guy's... Uh, he said, listen, I don't have to hear two sides of the case. There's two sides of the case. We have to bring him. And he says, no, no, I don't want to corrupt the rabbi. I want the rabbi to summons him to Bedin. So the rabbi says, what should I do? He writes a letter to the Mr. Flan. This is the rabbi of Frankfurt. Uh, you're summoned to come to Bedin on this day. And he sends it to the president. The president gets the letter. He sends back. Dear rabbi, I am sure this is a mistake. You must have the wrong guy. After all, I'm the president of the congregation. I know you would not be summoning to court, especially after I just signed your contract. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that this was meant for somebody else. That's how he answers back, the Rav. The Rav gets the letter back. I made a mistake. He sends him back another Hazmana. He tells him, listen, it wasn't a mistake. I have the right address. You're the president. There's only one president of the congregation. How do I make a mistake? Hazmana, strike two. He texts back, he says, now I see you didn't make a mistake. I'm putting the rabbi on warning. He says, this is a dangerous, dangerous uh, uh, move that you're making to take me to the court, being that I'm the most influential man in this community. The day came and passed, the president didn't show up to the husbanna. He sends him a third husbanna. Now, once you are delinquent on the third husbanna, you can put him in Nidui. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the president wasn't that bad. The third one, he showed up to the Rav. He shows up to the Rav, and he starts to talk a little fresh to the Rav. He says, you're summoning me to the Rav, you know I am, I'm busy, I'm rich, I'm this and that, against two, against this creepy guy over here, who is he? He's a nothing, he's a zero, this guy over here. When, when you're, the, you're doing this, the, the Rav comes along and says, the Rav says, listen, the law is the law, we don't show any favoritism. At that point, all of a sudden, the president opens the door, and the entire kahal comes in, and they start to sing songs and say, congratulations, Hakam, you are officially now the rabbi of our congregation. We were testing you. The president said, we wanted to see if you're a real rabbi or not. We wanted to see if you're willing to even summons the one that hired you. If you're willing to summon him, then already that shows we can trust you, that you're not going to come along now and fall for shohad and for all these, uh, for all these other, for other games. That was it, that was it, you don't need Hamashi. That was a no. test. Okay. That was a test. So therefore, we explained the Pasuk like this. 
Who's the lecha? The lecha is talking about the one that hired the judge. So the pasuk is saying, Shofetim v'shotinim, titen lecha, that even you who hired the rabbi, you have to be willing to go to the rabbi for a judgment. Shofetim v'shotinim, titen lecha. And you cannot come along and say, hey, what do you mean over here? I hired you. I'm going to come to you. I hired you to judge everybody else, but I'm above the deen. No, no, no. Shofetim v'shotinim, titen lecha. Even you, who think that you're higher than everybody, you're not. Even you have to be willing to go to the rab in order to hear his, his rulings. That's one, that's one way. There's another way of understanding. There's another way of understanding based on the Midrash in Megillat Rut. The Midrash in Megillat Rut says, It was a time of the Shefot and Shofetim, that the judges were being judged. The judges were being judged? No, the judges judge. No, Shefot and Shofetim, they were judging the judges. And the Gemara says that the judges in the times of Boaz, not Boaz, but the judges in that time, they were, they were corrupt. And therefore, they either they were not living according to the standard, and therefore they weren't practicing what they were preaching. So they were giving rulings, and the litigants said, you're talking? You committed this crime 15 times. You're telling me about, uh, about, uh, about justice? And the Midrash gives the famous mashal, that the judge would say to the litigant, Tol kisam mi ben shinecha. They say, you have a little piece of wood that's stuck in your tooth. The judge would tell him, eh, you have to remove the little piece of wood. He tells me, you're telling me, Tol kisam, Tol koram mi ben enecha. You have a log in your head. You're telling me about a little piece of wood in, in, in my tooth? Who are you to talk? That means they were corrupt, and therefore nobody was listening, listening to them. So therefore, the prerequisite to be a judge is that the judge has to judge himself first. That after the judge judges himself, that he's living according to the standard, then he's able to judge others. And the Pasuk says, to the judge it's talking to. That you yourself cannot only sit on the bench and tell other people what to do, but you have to be willing to follow exactly what you're preaching to others. Acham Baruch Allah Hashem used to always say to us that that's what it says in the Mishnah Pirkei Avot. Hu Omer. In the beginning it would say, Hu Omer, Hu Omer, Hu Omer. So Acham Baruch would read it like this. Hu period. First he was, then Omer, then he would say to other people. Which means, first he had to internalize the teaching. Hu And once already he internalized his own teaching himself, now he was comfortable to say it to others. But if he's going to say it to others, they're going to say, Tol koram ibn Enecha. What are you talking about? You, you don't practice what you preach. So that would be the, the second explanation. But I mainly came today <coughs> to come along and explain it in the, third, uh, in the third way. But in order to understand and appreciate the third way, we need to go back to, after all, we're still in the month of Elul. We cannot uh, forget that. These parashiyot always come in the month of Elul, obviously, to teach us uh, lessons, to teach us guidance in order how to have the right mindset in this most important month. There's a rabbi called the Tur. The Tur was the son of the Rosh, one of the important Rishonim, and he wrote a sefer called Arba'aturi, in Siman Tafkuf Pe'alef, which is the beginning of the Halchot Rosh Hashanah. So the Tur writes a quote, He's quoting from Pirkei de Rabbi Ezer. 
ניסז בראש חודש אלול, אמר הקדוש ברוך הוא למשה, עלה אלי ההרה. Something happened in Rosh Hakadosh Baruch Hu came to Moshe, Rabbeinu, and he told them, Ale Eli Ahara, come up, come up the mountain. That's exactly when he told them, Come and chisel for yourself a second set of luchot. That happened on Rosh Chodesh Elul. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu went up in order to start fashioning for, for 40 days. He went up to, to fashion the second luchot. And the Pasuk says, Az Amara Kadosh Baruch Hu Moshe Ale Elai Ahara. Come up the mountain. Sheaz Ala Lekabel Luchot Aharonot. That's when he went to get the second tablets. Ve'oviru Shofar Be'machaneh. And what? The blasting of the Shofar was sounded throughout the Machaneh. And what was the uh, announcement Moshe ala lahar Abotai Moshe Rabbeinu has gone up to the mountain Shelo yitru od So the people should not make mistakes What does it mean they should not make mistakes? So the tool says Shelo yitru od ahar avodah zara The last time he went up what happened? They made avodah zara they did the egg so somehow this shofar over here they blew, and this was in order that they should not make a mistake to go after Abu Dazara, he says. When Hashem heard that shofar, but Ulam was elevated. He was so proud of such a shofar. Interesting. Interesting. That's the pasuk that we say before we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. We always thought that that pasuk primarily is talking about the shofar of Rosh Hashanah. But the, the Perket Rebidi Ezra is telling us that that pasuk, is really referring to the shofar of Rosh Chodesh Elul. The shofar that they blew when, uh, when they went up, Moshe Rabbeinu went up. And the question I had was, what is so significant about such, mm-hmm. such a shofar? I mean, that shofar is not, first of all, an obligatory. It's not a mitzvah. There's no beracha. Rosh Hashanah, that's the main shofar. And here we're saying that this shofar over here, when they blow it, I don't even know what the purpose of blowing it for is. Moshe is going on up to Har Sinai. Okay, Sidchem Shalom. When they blow the shofar, Shelo Yit'u. Something in the shofar will cause them and as a result, when Hashem heard this, it says, Hashem was so happy with such a shofar, Hashem, because shofar. And then the tour finishes. It says, based on this, because Which means the Ashkenazim have the custom, our, our brothers, that what? They blow the shofar, starting on Rosh Chodesh Elul, and they blow it the whole month. Some have the custom to blow it in the morning and the night, some just in the morning. The Bala Rokeyah comes along and adds to the tour. And the Rokeyah says that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai the last 40 times, they actually blew the shofar every single day of the 40 days. They didn't only blow it when he went up, but it was blown for the, for the Menhag of the Shkanim is well, well documented. 
And then he says, what does that do? And it causes the Satan to get all, all, all confused or all flustered. And the question is, yeah, what, what, is that, what is that fluster the Satan? You're blowing the shofar. It's already, we, we're already struggling to understand how the Satan gets flustered on Rosh Hashanah when you blow the shofar. That already, much ink has been spilled. We're trying to explain that. Now you tell me in Nuhidush that the shofar that the Ashkenazim blow in. And then we have a bigger question. Because if you're a Sefaradi like me, a proud Sefaradi, I might add, if you're a Sefaradi like me, then we say, the salt of Torah, because we don't blow the Shofar. So what do you tell me? All this Hiddush of Perkidri Bidi Ezzed, and so story over here, we don't blow the Shofar during the month of So how are we going to apply whatever moral we're going to learn from this story, how are we going to apply it to the, uh, to the Jews of Sephardic descent? Understand our, our beginning of the Shiur today? That's the way we're setting it up over here. We're trying to understand this too. That's what we came to understand. Very simple shiur. But I can't explain it too. Rabotai. In order to understand this too, I would like to present to you a Ramban. The Ramban is in this week's Perasha. The Ramban is on the, uh, on the words, Sedek, Sedek, Tirdof. What does this mean? Sedek, Sedek, Tibdof. The Gemara Sanhedrin has an understanding that when you go to a court, you should go to the best court. Sedek, Sedek. Sedek, Sedek, like is creme de la creme. You should go to the, to the best if you have a court in your town. You have one chief rabbi, big Sadiq, Hakam. You have another guy, he's a rookie. Sedek, Sedek, go to the, go to the Hakam. Don't go to the waste your time in the, in the, in the, in the rookie court. That's the Gemara's understanding. But the Ramban says, Epshad al-pi hasod. And I'd like to read this to our members here today. I have the Ramban in front of me. Sedek, Sedek. Aval b'midrasho shen rabbi nechunya b'nakana. Darshu bo sod. Amru, Sedek. Zu midat dino shel olam. Sedek. In other words, is deen. Not to be confused with the word tzedakah. Tzedakah is kindness. Tzedek is what? Justice. Justice. Shana imar. Tzedek, tzedek, tzedof. And if a person runs after deen, tzedek, tzedek, he runs after justice, what's going to happen? What does it say in the pasuk? Nema'an tichyeh you live. Now isn't that all what we're looking for at this time of year? Life. Life. Aren't we trying to figure out how to accomplish Laman Tahir? So however long, but everybody's purpose is they're trying to they're trying to live, they're trying to have more life. That's what we're saying. We say to Mashanatova, and here in this parashah, if you can imagine. The Ramban, not the Ramban, the Torah is revealing us the biggest secret of all time. If you're here today, consider yourself lucky. This is the biggest secret of all time. It's telling you, If anybody's interested in living, we have now the secret. And what's the secret? But what does that mean, Sedek Sedek Tirdof? 
So the Ramban says, Im tadin atzmecha tihye v'imlav hu yadin alecha v'tikayim ba'al korcha. Says the Ramban something incredible. Ramban says, there's going to be deen. Everybody's going to have to go through a process called deen. Deen. No, deen. The question is, where is the deen going to come from? There's two places where deen can come from. It can either come from upstairs. <coughs> when the deen comes from upstairs, it's unmitigating. It's uncompromising. The deen of Lema'ala is a strict deen. But then there's another deen. There's a deen lemata. And which deen is that? That's the deen that the person makes on himself. That's the own fences that a person makes. And the own tikkunim that he makes. And the own lifestyle changes that he makes. The Ramban says, from Rabbi Nehunya ben Akana, he says, Im tadin atzmecha. If you say, I'll handle it. I'll do the judgment. I'll be my judge. I'll handle it. So the Pasuk says, If you run after the judgment on your own, which means you do the self-serve judgment. You don't, you, don't, you don't need the attendant to do it for you. The attendant comes and says, You, you want deen? No, no, I'm doing the self-serve. I'll, I'll handle it myself. So the Pasuk says, Oh, you do it yourself? Which is amazing. That means... <laughs> Or you could say, listen, I'm going to do what I want, and what I'm going to handle the justice. Ah, well, I'm going to do the deen. The, the Midrash says in Devarim, the Devarim, in Midrash Devarim Rabbah, in Perek Chet, Ot He, the Midrash says like this, Im yesh deen lemata en deen lemaala. That when there's justice on earth, there's no justice in heaven, which means... Bore Olam says, if you're handling it, I don't gotta, I don't, I don't gotta, you're handling it. What does it mean handling it? I'm looking at my own self, and I'm analyzing my own ways, and I'm studying my practices, and I'm saying, this is what I'm doing is no good, this needs a tikkun, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be adjusted, I'm loose over here, I gotta mend the fence on this item over here. So Bore says, wow, the guy's his own judge, the guy's going through each item over here, and he's making the proper tikkunim. He's his own. Uh, he's his own enforcer as well. After he makes the judgment on himself, he's putting in an enforcement. He says, "If I don't follow it, I'm going to pay kanas. If I don't follow it, I can't. Uh, uh, I got to, uh, you know, uh, punish myself for a certain uh, penalty." That's unbelievable. The guy's the shofet. The guy's the shoter. What the Olam says, "Sedek sedet edov leman I brought a proof to this concept. Now you can ask me, I don't need you to bring me a proof that I'm banned, said it. That's the proof. I'm bringing you another remez to this. The Pirkei Dribili Aizah says something incredible. He said, what happened on Nosh Chodesh Elul? What happened on that day? What happened on that day was something amazing. Why did they blow Shofar on Nosh Chodesh Elul? The last 40 days. Why did they blow the Shofar in the middle 40 days? I mean, Moshe, I cannot go through the whole history of what happened in the 40 days. He went up three times. Are you aware of that? He went up the first 40 days to get the Torah. 
Then, then he went up 40 days again, just to calm everything down. Then he went up the last 40 days. When did they blow the shofar? In the last 40 days. What happened on that last 40 days over there? So something amazing happened. They worshipped the Egel. After they worshipped the Egel, Borei Olam said, it's over. Moshe Rabbeinu, it's over. I need one second. Give me one second. All of them. There'll be no remnants. And we'll start again, a new nation. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the heavens for the first 40 days just to, just to stop it, to stop the, the, the item. Now, B'nai Yisrael on earth, they have no idea what's going to happen. They have no idea if Moshe Rabbeinu will come down and say, I couldn't make a deal, it's over, count to one, and you're going to be finished. And by the way, no Torah, no nothing. That's it. They, they didn't know what Moshe was going to answer. Moshe Rabbeinu comes down after 40 days on Rosh Chodesh Elul, on the day before, but that's the one when he gave them the news. And what does he tell them? No, not by no means. By no means. He said, listen, I have not great news, but I don't have bad news either. The news I have to report to the congregation is that God has invited me back up to start the writing of the second Luchot. Whoa, they said, whoa, 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 there was tremendous news. Now, he's still angry. He didn't say, I forgive you. But there's been what's called an appeasement. There's been an appeasement over here. The last time I went up, there was nothing. I was negotiating, no luchot, no... Now already, now if he's telling me to write the luchot, that means there's a shot. Listen, no, there's a shot that we might get the luchot without any other benefit, and, which is okay, but there's a chance that we might be able to... When they heard this, they said, wow, this is a tremendous item. That's why these days are Yemir Atzon. Because on that day, they heard from Moshe Rabbeinu that Borei Olam is, uh, is in an appeasement mood over here. He's allowing me to go forward in the process. Says You know what happened to Bnei Yisrael at that point? They started to shake. They said, what do you think? The Yetzirah retired? You think just because we did the Egil once, the Yetzirah now, uh, why, he went to Miami Beach for, to, to retire? The Yetzirah, they were worried. What, what stops the Yetzirah from doing this again? By the way, we came out of Mitzrayim. <laughs> we came out of Mitzrayim, we were on the highest level. And the Yetzirah figured out some way to dupe us and to trick us. And before we knew it, we were frolicking around in Egel with the gold that was in our ears five minutes before. And now they started to get nervous. They said, what's going to be with us over here? So you know what the Pirkei Devi says? Who blew the shofar on Rosh Chodesh Elul? Who blew the shofar? Not Moshe. The, exactly. If you look at the Lashon of the Tur, it says, V'he'eviru shofar v'mahaneh. All of a sudden, the people started to blow to the shofar. What was the explanation? The tool says, Shelo od. They said, Rabotai, we're in trouble. That shofar was to remind everybody, Rabotai, we have a golden opportunity. God is biritsui now. God told our master Moshe to write the second Lord. We cannot mess up again. And says that they started to make fences for themselves and they started to make deen on themselves and they started to make all sorts of tikkunim so it will not happen again. 
And Rukayah says, and they blew for 40 days. And what was the 40 days? To remind them, Rabotai, we are now in Et Ratzon, and therefore we have to be careful not to relapse. It's like somebody that was an addict, and every day he has to remember you were an addict. You could fall into addiction in one second, you'll be back in the, in the rehab again. And if everybody has to remind himself of where he was and what, 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 what the potential, and if he has to keep on making fences. And all of a sudden, says God says, Who told them to blow the shofar and make all these fences? I didn't tell them to do anything. He didn't tell them anything. It's not Rosh Hashanah. I didn't command them. Borei Olam says, on their own, on their own, they're coming along now and they realize that this is an opportune time and they're coming and they're making deen on themselves. Nobody asked them to do anything. It's not Rosh Hashanah. It's Yom Kippur. It's Elul. Oh, so at that point the Pasuk says, when God heard the shofar and what that shofar represents, shofar melashon shifru ma'asechem. Shifru ma'asechem meaning better Fix your ways, or, or even more. Mend your ways in order that you will not come to relapse. What happened? It says, Allah Elohim betru'ah. Bore Olam was elevated in such a teru'ah even more than the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah. Because the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah is mandatory. This Shofar that they blew in Elul was self-motivated. And like the Ramban said, Kashiyesh din lemata, en din lemala. And for 40 days, I cannot tell you what fences they were making for themselves. But they were involved in building walls for themselves in order not to relapse in Hajj Shalom. Like the, the tool says, they should not. And that shofar was a reminder every day, like an alarm is set off. Don't forget what's going on over here. We're, in, we're not in Stam days over here. We're in a time of Ritsui. And if we're in a time of Ritsui, we can't mess up. We can't fall back into the Avodah Zarah. And don't let the answer say, ah, you're not going to fall in. Well, we fell in once. Once you fell in once, you can fall in twice. You can fall in ten times. And all of a sudden, Hashem says, this is a self-motivated, this is a self-inflicted deen. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was elevated with such a shofar. And Adraba, it caused the Kadosh Baruch Hu to even now come eventually, after 40 days, and tell the people what on Yom Kippur? Salahti. That is unbelievable. Now, this is my Hiddush I'm saying now. So you see over here, Rabotai, what happened? All of a sudden, 40 days later, Moshe Rabbeinu comes down and gets, I have unbelievable news for you. I have unbelievable news. Forget about appeasement. Appeasement days are over. Now I'm giving you new news. Now I'm telling you, he said, Salahti. Why? That's a... Now already we reached a new level of Salahti. And that's why every year in Yom Kippur, what happens? On Yom Kippur... We relive those moments of Salahti. But I explained like this. There's a big question. What's the reason why we blow Shofar on Motzei Kippur? <coughs> There's no deen to blow Shofar on Motzei Kippur unless it's the year of the Yovel, the Jubilee. Okay. But you need to blow Shofar to go to eat. I, I promise you, if we don't blow the Shofar, you're going to eat. I know it. I guarantee it. You're waiting for the Shofar, you're eating. You're eating. So therefore, what's the reason why we blow the Shofar? 
So I saw one interpretation, beautiful interpretation from one of the hachamim. He said, because the custom is, Moshe will confirm this to us, in a court case, when it's a heated court case, and finally one of the sides wins, what do they do? They make a celebration. Who do they invite to the party? They have their defense lawyer, they call all the, the, the witnesses that they brought, and they call all the clerks and the secretary, anybody who was part of the, the victory, they bring and make the high together, you know. Uh, so now the, 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 the holiday's over. And we hear the voice in heaven says, Go drink, baby. You won the case against the Satan. So we say, wait, wait, where's the shofar? Bring the shofar. The shofar was the main item for us. The shofar was the main uh, lawyer. The whole shofar. The whole shofar. Bring the shofar back over here. Bring the shofar. We got to, it's part of the item. Well, you can forget you, you, the, the shofar says, well, you're celebrating. You didn't invite me to the party over there. Everybody's enjoying it. Taking victory laps. What about me? I was the main guy. Okay, bring the show. Bring the show. Bring the show right after. Not dedicated. But based on now, we're saying we can understand this reason deeper. Like Hanfon right away jumped on it. Which we were coming along and say, what shofar are we taking over here? This is the shofar that we started the process with. Which is we started the process on Rosh with a shofar and we end the process on Motsi Kippur with a shofar. That's the bookends of this process. It begins with shofar. And what's the key? The key is over here that all the siyagim that we made, all the fences that we made. So we come along and say like this, if on Rosh Chodesh Elul, when there was just Ritzui, and what we do, we made fence. Now we got Salahti, so we have to blow the shofar again, as if to say, don't mess up now. Now you got Salahti, now you have to make sure you keep the fences that you made. Be'emet, we should blow the shofar every day of the year. But we can't, is it? So the shofar that we don't want actually is supposed to ring in our brains from Kippur all the way to Elul the next year. That's the final place to say, Rabotai, don't fall back into your ways. You finally got to the level of Salah, you did it. Now what? You're going to start lightening up after Kippur, make holes in the walls again, you'll be back to where you are again, like a dog that goes back on his... Uh, on his <coughs> that's the sword of the Shofar on Motzei Kippur. If that's the case, Rabotai, we understand the power, the power of the Shofar. The, the tzaddikim say, if you look in the um, in the mizmor that we say every single day, it's the 150th chapter. Uh, Pick up the book again. The 150th chapter in the uh, in the Tehillim. So it says Hallelujah, Hallelujah, In that chapter, what does it say at the end? Hallelujah, Interesting. The shofar is a hallelujah. I didn't know it's a hallelujah. I didn't know it's a hallel. Based on this, we said the other day, I threw it in in the shiur just as a, as a heke. No, nobody, nobody picked it up, but I threw it in anyway. I said that the Gemara says we don't say hallel on purim. On purim, we don't say hallel. So the Gemara says you don't have to say hallel. Kriyatazu halila. The kriya of the megillah is the hallel. And I said, and the same thing, the Gemara says we don't. Have Halil on Rosh Hashanah. And then I said, why? Tiki'atazu Halila. That the blowing of the shofar is the Halil. Everybody said, okay. Rabbi said, I made up a Gemara. Don't give it out like that. The Gemara doesn't say that. But I said, Tiki'atazu Halila. But I have a source. Because the Pasuk says, Haliluhu beteka shofar. That when a person blows the shofar, Haliluhu, it's considered the Halil. That means the Halil is. But I have a proof, Rabotai, that this, this is not talking about the shofar of Rosh Hashanah. I have a proof. My proof is this is talking about the shofar of 
Elul. And even though we don't blow the shofar in Elul, it's the concept what it represents. Simple. It's a symbol, exactly. It's not the blowing. What the blowing is the thing, so go blow, a, go, go blow a, a trumpet, go blow a horn, go blow a buke, exactly. Go blow your nose, Mars. The point is, the point is, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the, the blowing of the shofar, it's what it, it's what it represents. So watch how we explained. Look at this here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many times does it say hallelujah in this mismore? Twelve times. Connected the twelve months of the year. Every month. And that's why we repeat the last twice. For the leap year. So you have 13. That's why we repeat it. Oh, exactly. That's why we repeat it. For the leap year. Now watch. So it comes out like this. Hallelujah. That's the first month of the year, which is what? That would be... <coughs> on the first month. Let's go according to the Torah's version of the first month, which is Nisan. Hallelujah So what would that be? The second month, which is what? Nisan Iyab. And then Hallelujah Uzo. Hallelujah Hallelujah Nisan. Halul bekocho iyar. Halul b'kiyah uzo sivan. Halul b'kmurotav tamuz. Halul kirov gudlo. Ahab. Halul b'tekha shofar. Elu. So the sixth one, the sixth one is referring to the shofar of Elul. Halul b'tekha shofar is the shofar of Elul. Because that's the one that's alay luim betruah. It's unbelievable. Why? Why is this one the halil? Because you did it on your own. I didn't ask you to do it. I didn't ask you to do nothing. You're, 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 you're starting to make fences on yourself. You're starting to make deen on yourself. You're starting to, <coughs> to fix yourself. That's the biggest halal you can make. Borei Olam says, I don't have to judge you. And that's the pshat. What it means, the satan gets all confused. The satan comes along on... Uh, Twelve times, honey. That every no, but I'm not, uh, Musa, can I go through everything that's twelve times? This is the, we're talking about no, this one. Hundred percent, hundred Honey, there's a lot of things that are, that are twelve times. We know that, but the point over here is that's why the satan gets flustered. Why? The satan gets flustered in Elul because over says, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. I, I'm preparing the case against these guys, and they're, they're doing the case themselves. They took the self serve lane. They went into the self serve. So the Zadag is all flustered over. He says, I cannot judge them if they're judging themselves. I can only judge people that did not judge themselves. But if they're judging themselves, I'm not. So the Zadag gets all flustered over. What are they doing over here? They beat the system. They just did. They beat the system. And how do you beat the system? Now I explain to you in, 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 in actuality, without talking in, in the scars, in the, in the, in the sky. The Benoit Ali said, an unbelievable Hiddush. The Benoit Ali said, <clears throat> that what? He said that just like you have gates of the city, that every human being has gates on his, on his body. And he came along and he said that the gates are the two eyes, these are gates that come in, the two ears, he has the nose, and he has the mouth, the seven gates. The seven gates. That's not the five senses, my friend. <laughs> That's not the five senses, with all due respect. But we didn't talk about touch. We're talking about the gates. It's okay, it's fine. That's fine. What's your first mistake? I'm sure, sure not. Why, that's why I didn't tell you to make Shehayano, because it's not the first mistake. The point is, the point is, and your last one was within 30 days, so you don't have to make Shehayano. The point is, you have over here the gates. The eyes are gates. It's a gateway to whatever you look at. There's a gate. It goes into the Shema. The ears are a gate, which you hear. The mouth. 
in the nose. I always had a struggle whenever we say this chitush. Okay, the, the eyes we know, we know the ears, the mouth, we learned the the, 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 the what comes out of your mouth also. But I never understood what, what the nose, what's the nose? Was smelling hametz and pesah? What, what, what's, what's the, but we learned this week, kaas. Kaas is in the nose. So therefore, be careful. So therefore, the pasuk according to the reason is like this. Shofetim veshoterim teten lecha. Who's lecha? Because Mars, all the members that were sitting here today said, beautiful, this pasuk doesn't apply to me. I'm not a judge. It doesn't apply. We have no judges. We have no nothing. But Ariza says, no. Shofetim veshotim teten lecha. I'm talking to you. What? Bechol she'arecha and all of your gates. In your eyes, in your ears, in your mouth, in your nose. You have to make siyagim. You have to make fences. You have to be the judge and put all sorts of uh, 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 protection that these gates do not become uh, 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 broken from the Yetzirah. And he says, if you look at biologically your body, every one of these has a gate. The eyes have a gate, the afapayim. The ear has a gate, the, the lobes. The nose, by the way, it's easy. It's cartilage over here where you can close it very easily. The mouth, of course, it has many gates. And therefore, if you see that the way biologically Hashem created these items, He showed you what? They have to have gates on these things. Without gates, these things will be the destruction of man. And besides the biological gates that Hashem put for you, the Pasuk was saying, Shofetim v'shoterim, you have to add judges and you have to add enforcement. Teten lecha, you, every single Jew, in the month of Elul, at the time that they blew the shofar, during the time of Ritzui, when everybody started to make deen on themselves, we cannot read this parasha at a better time. The pasuk comes and say, every single person has to make tikkun. You can't just come along now in the time of Ritzui. If the time of Ritzui happened 3,000 years ago, that means it happens every time this year. And then you have to say to yourself, hold it. What's going to promise me that I don't fall back into my old, old behavior? So if you know what? I have to, I have to put a, a, a watch on my gadgets. I have to find where I go. When I'm sitting on Shabbat table, I have to put a fence how my mouth doesn't get lost into the shonara. I have to put a fence in when I'm sitting down with my uh, ears here, or my kaas. I have to put a fence on my... If a guy's not going to start working on shofetim and shoterim, so oh, the gates are wide open. So the satan comes along and says, beautiful. They're not making deen? Ha-ha, then I can make the deen. And once the deen is made by the satan, we don't stand a chance. Sedek, sedek, tiridof. And what's the benefit? If you're looking to live... Then the tzedek has to be self-motivated. And the shofar, the shofar that they blew, and who blew it? They, Moshe didn't tell them, blow the shofar. It's ve'eviru shofar They themselves will ma'avir the shofar. As to come and say, Rabotai, life cannot be the same. An addict cannot come along and live like everybody else. He has to live now on a different, a different level. And the shofar elevated them. And when they did that, what does the pasuk say? And David and Melech says, What shofar? The shofar of Elul is the hallelujah. That's the biggest praise over there because it's coming from the person himself. And that's the Musar of the Perasha. It's true. Shofetim v'shotinim t'tenlecha is talking to the president. Even you are subject to the rabbi, even though you hired him. Yes, it's talking to the judges as well. Practice what you preach. But the main derash of the Ariza Shofetim is talking to all of us. You have to be your own judge and you have to be your own enforcement. And if you make a fence and you didn't keep your fence, you have to pay. 
People make kanas on themselves. Oh, you, 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 you didn't keep your fence? Now nah, the punishment. You got to read. You can't go to sleep before you learn the Perik Mishnayot. Why do you want to go to sleep? But you're breaking your eyes now reading. <laughs> I broke a fence today. And therefore, I have a kanas to pay. Well, you got to write yourself a check until your, your hand hurts to write the check. Whatever it is, the shoterim, enforcement. Without, without these tricks of enforcement and shoterim, we don't stand a chance. And then the Pasuk is telling us, Sedek, Sedek, when you pursue Sedek on yourself, then Bezat Hashem will be the man Tehyev Erashdata. Amen. 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 Amen.